Attention. Attention. This is not a self-help podcast. What is going on, everyone? I thought today would be the perfect day to jump on the mic and do a solo episode. And the reason for that is not because I am dying to talk to myself for half an hour or who knows how long this is going to be, but more because I... You, you know, haven't been able to book a guest. But then, you know, I've, I've kind of noticed that the podcasting world is becoming a race and a competition for the best guest. And I want to be trendsetting and I want to be unusual. I haven't really explained the whole situation with me being in London and posting all this interior decor. So many people have been asking me, aka... I'm not going to say 2.5 people have been asking me because it's definitely been more than that. But I've noticed that a lot of people have been perplexed with what is going on with my life? Why have I not returned to LA? Why am I still covering Hollywood and reality TV? And I'm just going to give you a straight short answer because I can't really be bothered to get into it. But sometimes life gives you lemons and those lemons happen to be rotten, you know, just the worst kinds of lemons you can think of. And so I had to basically leave LA. I wasn't allowed back in the country. There's a lot of travel bans. I'm still not allowed to get back to LA. And I decided due to many reasons that I will not publicize on the podcast that London was going to become my main residence and I will be splitting my time um, when the climate allows me to. It's not going to be for right now. I'm still sitting still and waiting for the day that I'm able to get the fuck back to Los Angeles and tell you guys about all the skincare, all the celebrity gossip, all the tips, make people jealous with sunny Instagram stories. But for now, you're going to have to be patient and cope with London centric content. A few people have also been asking me about Luna and how she's been coping. And the answer is, I was more worried for her and her lifestyle in London than I was actually worried about mine. And I've come to realize that Luna has finally found a city that is up to her royal standards. She walks in Regent's Park every day for 45 minutes. She has so many other dog friends. She spends more time outdoors in London than she ever did in LA. I'm not sure why, because the weather's been so fucking appalling. And she's been feeling herself so much that she's actually developed some really, really bad habits, which forced me to buy her a training collar. It's not a shock collar. It's actually very safe. It was made for smaller dogs and it gives her a bit of a uh, a vibration when, you know, she does something naughty. So she's been really trying to dictate my life and I've tested it on her. You know, there's different levels of vibrations and Miss Luna did not give a flying fuck. When I mean she didn't even move, She, she did not budge. Okay. So I put up the vibrations to, you know, the maximum level thinking, you know what, this may actually really shock her. But at this point, I'm down to take the risk because I can no longer walk with a dog who is willing to eat snails, you know, stop when she's walking on lead because she wants to go her way and not my way. And it didn't fucking work. So I don't know if the collar itself is just bullshit or if Luna is just completely desensitized to anything that doesn't float her boat. But Bitch has been doing exactly as she pleases and I'm telling you she couldn't be happier. 
for all of those that were worried. So London is now full lockdown mode, no restaurants, no shops, nothing. And I would like to tell everyone that I haven't been really feeling a difference because I've realized that my London lockdown life is very similar to the life I was living in LA, meaning work from home, live in PJs, but better. I've actually been thriving in quarantine. I've been doing pottery nights with my friends. You know, we've been ordering this adult pottery set from Sculpt. If you haven't heard about it, you must. So many people in London are doing it. So they send you this amazing pottery kit for six people. You don't need, you know, a pottery machine. You don't need an oven. You just kind of, you know, make your creations. You let them dry overnight. And then you can also order an add-on paint set where you can paint your creations and make them look really cute for your house. So not only have I been decorating my brand new apartment, I've also been creating shit for it. They don't look that great, but I will say I, I felt my creative soul really just having a moment and about, you know, adulting and moving into an apartment, creating a you know, permanent residence for yourself is a lot harder than most people will tell you, especially on social media, because, you know, this is a completely different situation than renting out a place, going on Wayfair, buying a bunch of tacky velvet brass stools for your kitchen. Although I did look at those, I'm not going to lie. This is a very different situation because you have to actually make decisions that are going to last for a very, very long time. They're more permanent decisions and you've got to make that shit work for yourself. And for someone who's never actually decorated an apartment before, I found myself having multiple just anxiety attacks from not knowing what tone of white to pick for the paint and what fabric to pick for the curtains and making mistakes with my bed fabrics. And the whole thing has been a shit show. So like for me I've had my cousin Laura who is an interior designer she's you know helped me and she's actually done so remotely as well so if you guys need you know a brief consultation for anything and then she can send you links to all the items for your house um, you should definitely check her Instagram it's Laura Espia Interiors you know, she's not the type of person that is going to go to West Elm, look at the display and make you buy the entire living room from there. She thinks outside the box. She makes everything personalized and she also can do it on a budget if you don't really want to splurge on accessories and things of the sort. So anyway, before we get into the pop culture talk, I'm going to give you guys my personal tip of the week. I never told anybody that because I'm such a good friend. So it's no secret. I am an extremely salty person, not only with my personality, but with my food preferences as well. I will say that I naturally gravitate towards savory food. So I love a burger. I love a broth. I love, you know, a cheeseburger. I'm obsessed with noodles, pasta, just anything salty. I could literally just drink soy sauce, which I know makes me a serial killer. But the problem that comes with that is, you know, I, I've heard from someone and I really believe it. When you eat stuff that is sweet, you put on weight on your stomach. When you like savory, you will put on weight, you know, in your bum or your legs, which is what tends to happen for me. So my problem area is definitely bum and legs. And I find myself having a lot of water retention in those areas. And so I recently purchased off Amazon two different things. Number one, an anti-cellulite massager. It is not an electric one. It's actually just a manual one. And the one that I really recommend that I've been using is the El Furley store one, which you can find on Amazon UK. I will check to see if you can find a link for the Amazon US one, if there is an 
Amazon US version. And it's really good because it's manual. It really kind of breaks down those cellulite um, particles. And then you just drink a lot of water. And I don't know if I notice a difference yet with the size of my thighs and my butt. But all I know is I do sometimes suffer from just heavy legs and feeling quite heavy on the bottom part of my body. And this has actually really helped with feeling a little bit more light and feeling like I carry less water weight in my legs. So I don't use it on its own. I also use it with BOT, Intensive Anti-Cellulite Oil. It is with pure essential oil of lemon, rosemary, cinnamon, basil, and juniper berry. I think that's how all these things are pronounced. You know, English, not my first language. Forgive me. It's a real problem. It's becoming a real problem now that I'm speaking more French. Um, I tend to forget my English. So yeah, this is my tip of the week. You can do it at home. You can do it on your own. It's quite relaxing when you're watching TV and it will benefit you because there's no point in killing yourself going to the gym when it's not going to do anything for your cellulite. You want to really attack those cellulite particles and make them disappear. And by cellulite particles, I actually meant fat cells. But, you know, clearly my fat beauty terminology is not on point. And forgive me for it because I'm no expert. You guys all know that my guilty pleasure is talking about all the things that I hate. And, you know, I've used the term this bugs me on the podcast so many times that I actually thought I would make a special this bugs me episode because I find it so interesting and I'm very passionate about talking about all the things that I hate. I find it therapeutic. It's a great outlet for me. Let's talk the Grammys. Justin Bieber and his Instagram post complaining about being categorized as a pop artist. This kind of bugs me and it's a very, very tricky thing for me to say out loud on a podcast because I am a Justin Bieber stan. I have always loved him. Even in his fucked up phase, I always believed in him and I think he's an extremely talented artist. I also love Hayley Bieber, so maybe that kind of also plays a part in my love for him. I do love them as a couple. Being a pop artist... Pop is like a short term for popular, which means that he is basically a mainstream artist. This is more of a compliment. It also means that you are basically topping the charts. It means you are mainstream. It means that the masses love your music. And I know that the term has kind of evolved and pop kind of means it's its own music category. But this is the thing. When you started your career being known as a pop artist... Although your new album is niche and is now R&B, you cannot now be considered a niche artist because you are well-rounded. You can do all different types of music. You are not just pigeonholed as an R&B artist that can only do that. So I just don't understand why this was, you know, taken to heart for him. And I know that he tried really hard to make his sound R&B, but the truth is his vocals are still very pop. You know, I think it's a, it's a completely different story when you make a name for yourself being a niche artist with a very niche sound, but this is not the case for Justin Bieber. So, you know, can we start nitpicking less and focusing on more important shit, which I don't do. I like to talk about the fluffy things, but Justin Bieber has made a documentary. He makes so many posts about mental health and, you know, things that matter to him and religion and emotional shit. And I'm just, I'm not standing this statement. I don't like this Instagram post. It's something that really rubbed me the wrong way and I had to put it out there. 
I cannot get my head around Sean Mendes having his own Netflix documentary, probably out of jealousy, but also out of confusion. Because to be honest with you, I don't really care to understand how a kid who started doing songs on Vine went viral and suddenly made it to the charts. Like there is no plot twist to this story. And I get it. He's a true artist. He sings all his songs. He writes all his songs. He's very talented. I just don't see how I need to get to the bottom of Shawn Mendes' success and how he's a deeply creative, emotional artist. I want to see a Chance the Rapper documentary. I know she's been on reality TV, but I want to see a Cardi B documentary. I was down for the Justin Bieber documentary. He is a fucking legend. I know that the ladies love Shawn Mendes. I know he is top of the charts. I'm just not intrigued by him enough to go and watch this Netflix documentary. But now that I've said this, I'm going to have to do it and keep you guys updated. But it's just not, I just, I did not add this to my watch list. Now I might have to for professional reasons, because I am a highly professional being. Not interested, not interesting. And I don't think it deserves a documentary. What else has been bugging me on TV? Oh, nothing that has actually bugged me, but the Bachelorette. Just thought I would give you a quick update on the Tasha situation because she's really been growing on me despite her basic bitch tendencies and her very lovey-dovey, plain Jane, you know, sweet personality. As I said, I wanted more of a plot twist from the new Bachelorette, which we did get from Claire. We got all the crazies. I wanted to see a little bit more crazies from Tasha. I'm not going to lie. But one thing I have to give to her, which is something that has been beautifully put into words by Marnie from Mixing with Marnie, she is letting us see all the guys. I see so much more of the guys and their personalities and their fucked up sides. And I was actually re-watching the whole season with my friend Rosie because I was really trying to get her to love The Bachelorette and she's never actually watched anything from The Batch franchises before. And she was just so bored looking at Claire saying, I can't believe I'm the bachelorette. I'm so excited. I want to find love and all that cheesy bullshit. Rosie only got interested when we started seeing the guys and how they would fight for the girls and what strategies they would use, how jealous they would get, how savage they would be and how much they would pursue the bachelorette. So I have to give it to Tasha. She may have not given us all the plot twists as a bachelorette, but she is giving us plot twists by letting the guys shine appreciate her for that. This is a topic that I tend to cover a lot on the podcast and I will do it again, but I really want to talk about something that I fucking hate and that bugs me and that is dating apps. I came to a realization this week because, you know, I have friends that sometimes send me screenshots and I know that this is not nice and I know this can be seen as bullying. You guys should also see it as friends going to their friends for opinions and to let them know what's out there for the people like myself who are not on the apps. And this is why I'm not going on the apps. When I see a photo of you, you being the guy, I don't see a photo of you. I see the photo that you chose to upload of you and that makes me 
judge you even more than I would have if I had met you at a bar, if you had tried to pick me up with a cheesy pickup line and no thank you. So give me all the Matthew Hussey, invest as much time in dating as you would anything else bullshit all year long. The only time I will invest in dating will be off my fucking phone, pandemic or not. And that includes sad pen pal texts that are just boring and finger cramp inducing. Thank you. I've noticed in entertainment news recently, a couple of people are really, really bugged by Kim Kardashian and her 40th birthday bash, you know, abroad somewhere on some private island with 3000 people that are super safe and have all been tested and everything's fine. And we are just completely tone deaf shoving it in people's faces. And that's that. I just want to understand, and I have really dissected the situation. Why are people unable to cope with the Kardashian clan's entitlement now, but were able to handle it before? I mean, have you guys seen the, my father didn't have a funeral Kim tweet? You know, that was heavy. And I get that. I really do get that. But here's the thing. The Kardashians are kind of known for their lavish lifestyle. We got to witness all of it on TV and obviously on their social media, which, you know, they would show their boobs, their butts, their lips, their makeup, their hair extensions, their bodies, their designer shit. And then, you know, every once in a while we'd have like a sponsored post you know, of like a shitty toothbrush or some crappy makeup item that doesn't fucking work. And this is the thing, pre-pandemic, that shitty toothbrush that you can go by yourself was a light at the end of the tunnel. It was, you know, the toothbrush was a little bit of hope that you could hold on to that made you feel like there was one way in this world that you could achieve something that made you a little bit like the Kardashians. But right now, the only thing that these people are doing is proof to humankind that money is happiness and it is extremely discouraging. 40 fucking friends. I haven't seen more than four people together in the last probably six months. Things can be unattainable, but they're not necessarily frustrating. But at a time when nobody is able to do anything and watch these people do everything just seems a little bit unfair. So there you go. This is my first solo episode in a while. Thank you so much for listening. Let me just remind you guys that you can now join the new Facebook group for this show. It's called Aspirational Exclusives. We share thoughts, ideas, shopping links. So come and request to join the group. And obviously you can find all my really fucked up adventures on Instagram. I story a lot. I repost your DMs. I love receiving your DMs. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. Happy Black Friday. Go buy that fucked up thing that you were never going to buy. But we'll do now because it's discounted. In the head, yeah, yeah.